0: Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke.
1: Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. It is an absolutely picture-perfect day here in St. Charles, Illinois, and I hope all of you had a very peaceful and relaxing day. Labor Day weekend. We sure had a very exciting one here in St. Charles. If, if you haven't heard yet, Jenny McCarthy married Donnie Wahlberg on Sunday in at the Hotel Baker in St. Charles. And uh, it was quite an exciting weekend. And it was all the buzz and the rage here in town. So for our little town, it was a big deal. And it was uh, quite fun to uh, see all the pictures on the internet. Now, how many of you participated in the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge? This is an, a fascinating example to me of how quickly positive awareness can take place in a very short period of time ta- thanks to the connection of the internet. And it does also demonstrate the power of the boomerang effect, putting things out there with a, a high level of you know what message you want to deliver. In this case, the awareness of the disease ALS and um, how you want to deliver it, and and it really, really took hold. So over the past month or so, how many people have you seen throw ice water over their heads or some variation of that? Now, whether you believe or partook in the movement or not, there can always be some type of controversy stirred up around any subject that's out there. Um, the thing about this that is so fascinating is how rapidly the message spread to raise awareness about this disease. So let's look at ways to use the internet in that manner. We can use the internet as a real uh, tool to use the boomerang and to uh, to uh, project the boomerang movement. Let's look at the empowering messages and examples that are out in the world to demonstrate support for humanity can you just imagine for a moment your life as you bring awareness to something greater than yourself to do so much good in the world to throw out such a powerful boomerang just imagine that for a minute now imagine that awareness of support spreading like wildfire across the internet just as this ALS ice bucket challenge did How fun would that be for you to offer your life as one of great service? As I sat to prepare the message today, I thought about that and I thought about how fast of an impact that made on the world and it really was quite a fascinating reflection for me to contemplate so I wanted to share that with you. Now today's show is a really important topic for me. I don't have any guests today. I just uh, just wanted to share some very important tips on empowered parenting, and I want to be really clear that I'm not an expert in parenting, nor do I have any research to back any of my parenting styles. Um, My research is really more of a practical nature, and the things that I've done over the years that I know work, and I've certainly done some of those, and I've also done some things that don't work, and I eliminate those from my parenting style. I have been asked many times over the years to share some tips and suggestions about raising children in a positive and empowered environment. So, today's show is dedicated to the magnificent children, teens, and young adults who are the future of our world. And I want you all to know that I have made mistakes. I've struggled with my kids. We've been through many challenges, just like all of you. But I learn from those mistakes. I move forward and celebrate the victories along the way. I really do look at parenting my children as a privilege and a gift. And uh, I say that my children are really on loan here from God. I'm not in charge of them. They're just on loan from God. Now, just for those of you who don't know, I am the mother of two children. My son is Jake, and he's 20 years old, and he's a junior in college. And my daughter, Alexandra, is 17 years old, and she's a senior in high school. And I can honestly tell you that my children have been my greatest teachers in this life. Um, They've taught me more about leadership and empowerment than anyone else on the planet. They have been a window to allow me to look into myself, into my hopes, my dreams, my inspirations. But they've also allowed me to look into my fears the dark thoughts that I have, and the deep insecurities that I hold. And by knowing this fact, that I'm not really here to mold my children into what I think they should be, but rather they are or were as youngsters, they're, uh, they're I, I always look at them as big souls in little bodies. Now, on a side note, I'm 5 feet 10 inches tall, and I'm the shortest one in my family, so When uh, as souls that are wise and spirited and wonderful human beings, they're here to make a difference in the world. And I, along with my amazing husband, Bob, we've been able to nurture that spirit within them, both of them, to give them the best possible experience here. And I feel like that's really the start of it all is my attitude towards my kids is not not to think that I am here to teach them, but they certainly are here on this journey with all of us together, with us as a family, to really grow together in what we know is possible. So Let's just start with the early years, and I'll mention some of my tips from the early years, things that I can remember. It's been 20 or 17 years, so it's been a while. But um, I have uh, have a very unorthodox method of birthing my children, and both of my children entered this world in the very home which they grew up in. And I had both children here at home with the support of a lay midwife and uh, my sister and my husband, and that was it. No doctors, no nurses, uh, no one of a medical background. And my lay midwife was Linda Hitchcock, a woman who was recommended to me by another woman. She had 10 children by various means. And my opinion and viewpoint there is I might as well get somebody that She's birthed 10 children. She's got a lot of practical experience, and so why wouldn't I listen to her recommendations? And so I did get her as the recommendation. I got Linda as the recommendation from this woman. Um, In fact, she was really right because Linda uh, was so knowledgeable and nurturing and experienced in birthing, and that was the perfect fit for me. Not saying that's a perfect fit for everyone, but bringing my children into the world in our home in a very quiet, peaceful, nurturing environment in the very back bedroom of our home and laboring and doing all of the labor. We, I've got to bring the laboring in because it was Labor Day yesterday, right? Um, laboring in the most comfortable ways possible in my home. We did a lot of amazing things. My husband played the guitar. We watched Andy Griffith. Um, we did did some different things to kind of uh, keep the labor uh, uplifting as as, as as much as we possibly could. And when I labored with Alexandra, I basically kept very quiet and labored on my own, uh, just by myself, holding on to the side of the couch, uh, saying my prayers so that my husband and son could sleep upstairs. Now, early on, I read to my kids, my babies. I talked to them, explained everything to them. And I, when I was making dinner, for example, I would tell them what I was preparing. And despite the fact that I am the world's absolute worst singer, I would always sing songs to them. I made up songs for everything from why I had a tell in I had to... Um, the apple tree outside and how they pooped and everything in between. And I attempted to make everything that they were doing, that we were doing together, fun and lighthearted. And that was always my attitude about birthing uh, or having my kids. Knowing that kids learn by repetition, I would read Dr. Seuss's One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, that book. I would read in a very animated voice daily. And I remember seeing my son laughing when I would get to certain parts of the book because he recalled it even when he was a little baby. Um, And I got extra silly during those parts. I also taught them uh, what I call the Indian call. And at just six weeks old, I was able to sing that song, The Ten Little Indians. Remember, I sang a lot to them, even though I'm not a great singer. And at the end of the song, I would make a little Indian noise with my mouth, and I encouraged my children to do the same, and I'd put my fingers on their mouths and kind of howl like an Indian. And much to my surprise, at six weeks old, they would mimic that sound and do it just like me. So that was my first clue in parenting, that these babies were much smarter than I ever gave them credit for, and I learned that really early on. In fact, uh, just yesterday, I read the most inspiring article about a mother who was pregnant and her three-year-old son, upon hearing the news that he was going to have a baby sister, would sing into his mom's belly daily. And uh, it was an amazing story. When the labor came, the newborn baby was distressed. And in fact, her condition became weakened. And rather than bringing the baby home from the hospital, the baby's condition just became very grave. The parents had the monumental task of instead planning her funeral. The three-year-old brother was begging his parents to bring him to the hospital so he could sing to his sister. And here's that little concept of singing again. The hospital refused because no children were allowed in the emergency room. So the newborn baby girl's condition grew even more grave. And the three-year-old just insisted on going to see his sister. So the mother caved in. She put scrubs on him. She was yelled at by an ER nurse and told that no children were allowed in the ER, but the, the mother, who was normally a docile woman, said no to the nurse and marched her son to see his newborn sister. The boy began singing to her, and her vitals immediately changed. The mother, with tears rolling down her cheeks, asked her son to continue singing. And he was singing, You Are My Sunshine, My Only Sunshine to her. And the baby's sister began to show signs of life. Now, the nurse came in, and with tears streaming down the nurse's face, the newborn uh, baby began to improve and improve, and the hospital was all very elated. In fact, the newborn improved so significantly that she was released to go home the very next day. What a powerful story about healing and connection in humanity and all of that. So these children are remarkable and should be treated as such. They're wise beyond the years. And when you can demonstrate that level of deep respect for the wise souls that they are, they will respond with magnificent examples to demonstrate to you in return. See your children as whole and complete, and they will be whole and complete. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
2: We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment
0: Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
3: We're on the
2: cutting edge of social media.
3: Can you keep up?
2: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment, to reach Fee Mzankie or her guest on the program today, please call 188-346-9141. That's 188-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: Hi, welcome back. And we're talking today about empowered parenting. There are no guests, it's just me. And uh, I want to I, I we left the break talking and wrapping up about a great story about uh, a brother singing to his newborn sister and uh, wanted to just dive into the next subject about empowered uh, parenting. And this was something that early on my wonderful husband, Bob, and I made some agreements in our parenting techniques and styles. We, we talked about what we wanted to do. And one of the most important agreements that we made together was to create a united front as parents And we realized that when these amazing little souls became older and wiser, that they would begin to find ways to get what they wanted. And sometimes, and what we've observed with other children that were growing up, is that there would be a divide and conquer front. You know, something like, hey, mom said I could do this, or dad said I could do this. And so... Bob and I agreed that no matter what, we would create this united front with our children to be able to run all decisions by each other first before we made a final decisions, decision. And, um, Sleepovers became a big thing, and I'm not a real big fan of sleepovers. I call them no sleepovers because they really don't sleep. Um, but when, when your children start to make new friends, sleepovers are big. So when the sleepover question would arise, as an example, we would check in with each other first, discuss it, um, and make a decision together, creating a united front rather than the divide and conquer uh, concept which is you know, Mom said this or Dad said I could do this. So that way, even if we disagreed and we didn't we don't always agree with one another on what we what we're discussing, but if we had a united front, we would not appear to be divided with our children. and I feel like that was a really important um, stepping stone for us as parents to create that energy with our kids. Um, If we needed to discuss something that we were not in agreement on, we would do that outside of the earshot of the children so that we would keep the united front as parents and gain an element of respect with them. So how many of you uh, get irritated by what your children, uh, your child or children do? I think all of us on different levels, uh, we experience frustration at different levels and at different times. And one thing that I have found that's really important with children and teens and young adults is to respond to them rather than to react to them. And this is going to take a lot of patience. It takes the ability to not take things personally. And it takes you really knowing yourself well enough to know what may be presenting for you to deal with that on your own, within you. So let me give you an example. My daughter uh, has been a very independent child since early on. She, In fact, she wanted to drive a car when she was two years old. So when she was three, we got her that Barbie Jeep, and she drove that Jeep around the neighborhood until her niece could no longer fit behind the wheel. I mean, she was driving, driving machine, and now she has her license. So she loved the freedom of driving uh, back then, and she continues to totally enjoy the freedom of driving to this day. Now, since she was about two years old, and I tell her this story all the time, um, she wanted to always pick out her own clothes to wear. Now, at first, this was a real scary proposition because she would put together some really interesting clothing combinations. And I learned early on that struggling with her to choose her clothes was a battle I never wanted, so I just allowed her to choose. And um, my children both went to a Montessori preschool. So I I really do love the concept that Maria Montessori's philosophy with children uh, that she takes because she lets them choose what they want to learn. She teaches a great deal of respect. And uh, she continues to give children patterns with words or numbers uh, to read at different levels so they could advance at their own pace and problems that they could solve. So Alexandra would go on to preschool on some days with these really crazy combinations as outfits. In fact, we would drop her off in a car line, um, the teachers pulling the kids out from the car as you pulled your car up. And the teacher would always say, oh, Alexandra dressed herself today. (laughs) Yes. And so I would say, yes. And didn't she do a great job? I did allow her to wear whatever she wanted and and encouraged her along the way, and one day when she got older, she asked my opinion about a particular outfit that she selected, and I mentioned to her that it looked great, but I would maybe choose a different pair of socks. That was all that I mentioned. Well, that's all I had to say when the explosion happened. I hit a trigger with her, and um, then she went on to start yelling in a loud voice that, that I always tell her what uh, she should wear and I never like what she selects for her outfits. And I can tell you that that's really the furthest thing from my perception of how I raised her and, what, and the encouragement that I always gave her and the compliments that I gave her. But in that moment, from where she was standing at her perspective... That's what she was feeling at that time. And I knew not to take what she was saying personally. Don't react, just respond. I just knew that. And although the things that she was saying, they were not very nice at all, and uh, it was hurtful to me at the time, I just knew to not react to what it was that she was saying to me. So I also didn't want to talk her out of how she was feeling. I think parents make a big mistake when they say to their children, you should feel this way or don't be cry or don't be angry or sad. And when you tell your children how not to feel, it becomes confusing for them. Instead, I always like to acknowledge whatever they're feeling. And at that time, she was angry. So I said, I see that you're feeling angry with me right now. And I'm sorry that you feel that way. And I said, is there anything that you need right now? Now, believe me, this takes a great deal of practice. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this concept later on in the show. But during the clothing incident with Alexandra, I really did, my first gut instinct was to react to her and say that she was crazy, and I haven't ever picked out her clothes since she was two years old, and I always tell her how beautiful she is on a regular basis. However, I stopped. I took a deep breath. I apologized, and that's what she needed, and and, and I asked her in the moment what she needed, and at the time, she said she needed space, so I gave it to her. No power struggle, no telling her anything about how she should be feeling, none of that. Therefore, I just left her in her room she thought about the incident. And at, after about 15 minutes, she came over to me crying and she said she was sorry and that she just overreacted. So I knew there must have been something that happened to her that day to cause th- uh, that trigger of a reaction to me. I knew that it had nothing to do with me. And as a parent, if you can understand, sometimes if you push a trigger of your child, when you react, to that trigger, you're just going to deepen the negative emotion rather than allow it to shift. So you never know what your children experience in a given day if they do go to school, what would cause a trigger. And you don't know what, why you are the trigger, and, but you can re- really respond with love rather than react, and the behavior can, take, uh, can shift very quickly. And I said this takes time and practice and discipline to know if your own trigger is being pulled at that moment. Um, And one of my favorite quotes is from Marianne Williamson, and I often repeat it to myself when dealing with my kids. And Marianne Williamson says that there are only two conditions in life, love and a call for love. That's it. Sometimes your children, when they're reacting in a negative way, are calling for your love. And if you can react with love, then that's when you begin to see some dramatic shifts. Now, more recently, I was another trigger for Alexandra. And this time, I was clearly bogged down with many difficult situations that I was experiencing that day, one of which is my mom's uh, ailing health. And so that was kind of at the forefront of my my difficulty in the day. I just simply asked her a question, and that question became a trigger for her, and she yelled. And I have to tell you that these triggers with her are very far and few between. In fact, the last trigger I think I had with her was the clothing incident, which was many years ago. And so I I feel really uh, grateful for that, that we have a healthy emotional space. But um, since I was dealing with those difficulties, my own difficulties at the time, I told her these exact words, I know I shouldn't be taking this personally, but I am taking it personally in the moment. And so rather than continue to take it personally and react to her, I simply walked away. And after I walked away and just got away from the situation, I asked in my own mind what I could do to support her and I got the message that was really simple, ask her what was in her heart. So I, I came back, and it, it was a while later, I came back and I asked her what was on her mind and in her heart that she was willing to share with me. And I found out a couple of nights prior, um, she had a very difficult conversation with her boyfriend's father, and it was really bothering her. This was something that I didn't have any idea about, it was not something that I was aware of at all. So we were able to sort through what it was that he was saying to her, she making some assumptions in that conversation. So we sorted that through and she felt better and the trigger and the emotion went away and we were able to come to a very um, loving place once again. So, like I said, it's not always easy as a parent to respond with love rather than to react to, especially to a negative emotion. But if, and if you can't at that moment respond with love, um, just simply walk away from the situation and come back to it and see what it is and how you can respond in a loving space and it really does make a great deal of difference to do that with your kids from an empowering uh, perspective. I always say to people, please don't believe me, please don't uh, just take my word for it, for what I am saying, but just to practice and experience these empowering concepts yourself and just put them to good use for yourself. Um, so that you can see and understand what it is that I'm talking about and have your own practical experiences uh, for yourself. So we are going to take another quick break, and when we come back we're going to talk about, once again, one of my favorite subjects is fears and how children um, teach you a great deal about your own fears. So we'll be right back, and thanks for listening.
2: Up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com. To learn more about Fee's empowering programs, Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
3: We're on the cutting
2: edge of social media.
3: Can you keep up?
2: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Zanke or her guest on the program today, Please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We're talking about empowered parenting today. And one of my favorite questions that I like to ask myself as a parent is, what fears are being presented to me by my child? That's a really wonderful question to ask because uh, this this is a big one for parents. Hear me out here. Your children are tremendous clues to you to show you where in your life you might be holding on to a fear and where in your life you have that opportunity to release that fear. Now, early on as a parent, I can tell you that I struggled with this one tremendously and I struggled with my son who regularly got sick. Now, despite a really healthy diet, plenty of sleep, and water, those are the three important physical things that you can do to support your child, three of many um, uh, important things that you can do to support your child. Um, he would get sick. I mean, he's, he was, it was knock down, drag out, nasty viruses regularly. And he had symptoms of a fever, runny nose, cough that was so bad that he would vomit. And um, he would get these viruses in the past for days on end. And uh, he missed countless days of school because of it. And I had him on every kind of cleanse and special dietary programs possible And so I knew that I had to look further, and I did. And um, I began to search inward to see what was coming up for me emotionally at the time. And what ended up presenting itself to me, as I so often love to say, is that I looked at my fear of not being able to care for him or of failing as a parent altogether, I looked at my reactions when he would get sick, and I would go into a panic or fear around it because I knew what we were in store for in terms of his care. He showed me a deep-rooted fear over and over and over again. And this is a really uh, interesting one. I remember being at at an all-day meeting. I was driving home later in the evening, and my husband gave me a call and told me that Jake was not doing well, and he was excruciating. Uh, coughing extremely hard. I felt the challenge of being about an hour away from my son and not being able to help or support him. So I just got really quiet on my ride home and I began to ask empowering questions. And the first thing I asked was how could I best support him when I got home? So as I silently drove home, the answer came, practice peace. And I drove home and I said, I, be, I really became accustomed to listening to these messages. So I knew that's what would be best when I was driving home. I just knew in my heart that was what would be best. I got myself in a most peaceful and calm place and that I could be in for the remainder of my drive home. When I arrived home, I found Jake in a really distressed place, coughing so hard that his breathing was taxed. And I decided to do something different this time, from a really very calm place of peace, not just thinking about peace, but this is really important, but feeling it, feeling peaceful. I took Jake by the hands and I looked him in his eyes. I told him as I held his hands, peace now. He continued to cough and I continued to remain calm and I said, peace now. And I remained calm and peaceful and just kept repeating myself and feeling peace among us. Well, you can imagine my elation when after just a few minutes of repeating this calming phrase and really feeling it, when he responded and he stopped coughing. We were able to get him to sleep shortly after that time, and he slept soundly for several hours. And in the night, he got up and he coughed again, and I repeated the process. And I remember crying as I knelt next to him, knowing that these fears were what he was allowing me to see in myself and feeling a deep sense of spiritual connection to my son. Now, I'm not by any means suggesting that if a child needs immediate care and is in danger, if for any reason not to listen to what you as a parent know best and do, and you know what to do is best for your child. But I am suggesting that children are a direct reflection of the energy that you hold. And if you're conscious to what they may be showing you, you can see the change in them once you do your work. It really, truly is an amazing connection. We've got a caller on hold, and I want to welcome the caller to the show and, uh, and uh, ask you, uh, how can I support you?
0: Fee, I just want to let you know that I, I love your show, and I think you're the most beautiful radio personality out there. And I, I know that your husband and your kids appreciate the, the, the great mom that you really are.
1: Oh, that's nice. Thank you. you know? Do you have a question at all?
0: Um, yeah, you know, the, do you, uh, does your husband know that you're, uh some guy is complimenting you on the radio and you're flirting with him on the air?
1: <laughs> yes, because this is my husband. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Thanks for the compliments. I really appreciate it. I wasn't really flirting. I was just being in gratitude to I you.
0: No, I know. Of course not. No, I know that. No, I, yeah. no, you, no, you're doing a great job. I love your show.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for uh, calling in, and, and uh, thanks for being a great partner with me in life and with our children.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite topics, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely, our, our kids are one, of the most, uh, are one of the things that I'm most proud of in our lives, and uh, I'm very happy that we have them.
1: Yeah, and they are two really wonderful kids, and it's it's definitely a tab- tag-team effort between us, that's for sure. You bet. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep going. Thanks, Bob, for yep. your wonderful compliments. All right, good and
3: job. Have a great show.
1: Thanks, and you can always flirt with me anytime.
3: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to just continue to, to uh, say that, that I want you to be open to knowing that children will show you your fears And to ask yourself those empowering questions when you regularly see a behavior or condition around your child so that you may see the benefits not only in you, but also in them. And I call this process the reflective perspective principle. And the reflective perspective principle states that all people outside of you will reflect or mirror a state of being that exists within you. When you recognize that your child may be presenting a fear within you, uh, that it's much easier for you to release that fear within you. And since there are only two conditions: love and a call for love, when you let go of the fear, love, which is your natural state of parenting, uh, can be present, and your relationship, and it can be more peaceful. And this works in all relationships, not just parenting. But children are just such great teachers that it will come up for you quite a bit with them. And oftentimes when I coach parents, fear of a child's safety will come forth. Parents will go into countless numbers of what-if scenarios, oftentimes not truly understanding what remaining in that fear can cause in the relationship with the child. So I always recommend to parents to use a spiritual principle with their children. Empower their children to put themselves in a mindset of safety. I've been doing this with my children since they were really young. And I remember I always really enjoy playing and having fun with these different tips and tools. And one of the things that I just got one day is just, I said, press your belly button and imagine a complete bubble of safety around you. And so, before they left the house, you know, before they left the house to go to school or whatever it was that they that they were doing, I would always uh, have them, you know, press their belly buttons. Imagine this bubble of safety around them. And I would always say that they are safe and protected in the arms of God. Now, notice the difference between the empowering way of doing it. You are safe and protected. And the disempowering way, what a lot of people will say is go out there and be careful, be careful. Be careful indicates or implies that there may be something that could happen to them. But when you empower them and tell them that they are safe and protected, it it raises their level of vibration so that they know that they they can and uh, will be safe as they venture out into the world. Um, It just really feels different to do that that way, and your children can feel that too. In fact, my son played football for 10 years and only got really seriously, and it wasn't even that serious, but he got injured one time in 10 years, and that was a big victory for us as a family. Of course, he got knocked down and hit and, uh, you know, knocked around, but in 10 years, we had really only one trip precautionary trip it was to the emergency room for a throat injury that he sustained during practice. And I really felt fortunate about this. But I will tell you, this was one principle with him being in football. And I know it's huge football season right now. A lot of moms, I've walked in your shoes. I know exactly how you feel with your sons being out on the football field. I love the sport of football. I watch everyone from every level, from you know high school all the way on up, and I enjoy watching the game tremendously. But this is something that I always practiced. I was the mom who, during home games, would go out to the track and run around the track on the morning of our games, and I would envision our players on both teams, not just our own team, remaining injury-free, having a clean game you know, making sure that it was a good, healthy competition for both sides. That to me as a mom felt way better than constantly worrying about the possibility of an injury. And for away games, I uh, just visualized the field in my mind. I obviously wouldn't run to the field. And I remember one time there was a a field maintenance man that was um w- w- that was there and he was a very con- kind man man when i was running around the track and he had stopped me and said, "Oh, you're getting your morning workout in." And i told him, "Yeah, i'm getting my morning workout in, but i'm also saying a very clear and positive protective intention or prayer for both teams." And that's something that i always did when I was out there. It wasn't just for the workout, and um, he really enjoyed that and encouraged me to do it all of all of the time. So um, for those of you moms out there, soccer is another sport where you need to do where you can do this. Um, I do it for our volleyball girls as well, and um, you know encourage them to make sure that they envision themselves being safe and I also envision the volleyball court being safe and protected we are going to take another quick break and we're talking about empowered parenting today we'll be right back
2: we're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com. To learn more about Fee's empowering programs, Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
2: We're on the cutting edge of social media.
3: Can you keep up?
2: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment, To reach Fee Zanke or her guest on the program today, please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: Hi, we're back and we're talking about empowered parenting today. And another great way to allow children to feel empowered is to build their confidence in making choices. This was a tip that I got from a dear friend of mine, Sheila Glazoff. And as a parent, I highly recommend getting someone who is older and wiser than you to be a parenting mentor. To be able to kind of bounce ideas off of somebody that's been through the experience before, that has children that are, you know, healthy and, and wise children. And Sheila was certainly one of those uh, people in my early days as parenting where I would call and ask for tips from her. And she told me early on as a mom to offer my children choices so that they would understand the power of their choices. And I would also add to that that once I got my kids confident in making choices, then I would also have them look ahead to and what would be the consequences of those choices. So there was a a real deep choice consequence understanding. And the empowered question to ask the children when they were offered a choice it, it, in in the moment, in the heart of the matter, is is that a wise decision? And that's the empowered question to ask. So Sheila told me to offer these choices early and often, and she said just start with easy things, such as would you prefer eggs or pancakes for breakfast? Would you start with? Would you like to start with your reading or math homework first? Um, Rather than looking at controlling a situation with your children, look to offer the power of choices so children can build that confidence in checking in with themselves. And many of you that have listened long-term to the radio show um, have heard my clients or past clients over time say, check in, check in, check in with yourself to help make important decisions. This is also a really important element in allowing children to build their intuition. You can simply ask, what's your gut telling you about this situation? Ask questions rather than give answers. It's the best most empowering thing to do as a parent because the more confident confidence you can build in your children, the more confident they will be out in the world. We recently used this theory in selecting the perfect college for Jake, which I'm happy to say now that he's a junior, um, he did. And it all worked out beautifully. And uh, I asked him as we did all of his college visits to really check in with himself and see where he felt like he fit best and where he felt most comfortable. It was really quite a shock to Bob and to me when he selected Loyola because he was never, ever a city kid, always said that he had, he had dislike for the city. And so we never imagined that Jake would end up in a school that was right in the heart of Chicago. But he did, and he's absolutely loving it. And it was really through this art of empowering him to say, Check in, Jake, and tell me how you feel, and tell me where you feel you fit your you fit best in the college in the college visits that you've taken, and where you see yourself most. And that's exactly what we did with him. Now, early on, um, I remember one specific instance where Jake was on an exercise ball bouncing around very erratically. And I calmly stopped him and asked him if it was a wise decision that he was making. And I asked him to just look around and see what was going on around him. And there were glass tables with knickknacks on them. There was a window right next to where he was bouncing. So in that moment, by asking him an empowered question, um, is that a wise decision right now? And stopping so that he could see the consequences, he could get clear about the fact that if this ball flew out from underneath him, a lot of crazy things and undesirable consequences may happen at the time. Now, he realized that it was an unwise choice to continue bouncing there, and so he moved the ball to a safer location away from the window, away from the table, and all of that. It was a really small, May, may be seeming insignificant interaction with him, but it allowed him to see a much bigger picture so that he could move himself into a place where it was more conducive to playing because I didn't want him to stop playing. I just wanted him to kind of take a look around and see what the potential consequences were. So ask empowering questions. Is this a wise decision? And what are the consequences of that decision? when you are practicing uh, empowering parenting uh, concepts and tips. Now, I alluded to this next empowered parenting tip earlier, and I want to go into more detail with you now. It gives children a great sense of freedom when you allow emotions, whatever emotion is coming forth, just to surface And then give them the opportunity or give them tools to help and support them to move through whatever emotions are coming up. This starts really early on with children when they're going through their very first level of independence. And a phrase that's been very improperly referred to as the terrible twos. Um, Why is it so terrible that two-year-olds are becoming so independent that we label it as such? Well, I think it's because that independence disallows or does not allow parents to really um, feel that sense of control. And it brings up the fear of control coming forth. I refuse to name this phase of independence terrible, and instead I call it the terrific twos. Now, we all know that some of the behavior that happens during the terrific twos, right? Kids get uh, dreaded temper tantrums, it's really sometimes difficult when it happens at home. It's, it's really difficult when there these crazy meltdowns happen in uh, public. Whenever they happen, though, t- uh, those temper tantrum meltdowns get difficult to navigate. I learned early on that I never wanted my children to feel one way or another. If you tell kids how they should feel, and if they should only feel f- positive feelings, then what do they do when they have negative emotions? What do kids deduce when these negative feelings arise? Right, they get the idea that they should never feel negative, that it's bad to feel negative. Well, you show me a person who doesn't feel negative in his or her lifetime and please introduce that person to me because I've never met one. We all have emotions. So by allowing your child to feel what's coming up, you'll also allow them to get the awareness and how to work through it. Here's how it works. Simply mention to your child, I see that you are feeling whatever, angry, sad, vengeful whatever the feeling is if angry this is step two if angry has a chance to express itself how would angry express itself at this point the child may begin to fully express the anger and just at that point let it come up or if they need help ask what does your body need to be able to release the anger I used to suggest to my kids to do different things, one of which was choose a color of a crayon that represented anger and use it to color on a piece of paper. Or at one point, my son wanted to express his anger by punching his sister. And I told him that was an unacceptable way of expressing and that he needed to come up with a new way. So he decided to go outside and bounce a basketball as hard as he could. Step three, once a child is given the option to express the emotion, you should see a shift in his countenance. And it's amazing the shift that you see when you just allow that emotion to be expressed. And the final step is, I always feel the best way to wrap up the expression of an emotion with a child is to teach the child the value of forgiveness. You can simply state, very simple question, If forgiveness could speak now, what would forgiveness say in this moment? If forgiveness can speak now, what would forgiveness say in this moment? Well, that wraps wraps up our show today. And I really enjoyed putting together some of these very important empowering parenting tips for you. And remember, the very best thing that you can do for your children is to see Feel and know them as whole, wonderful, and complete. And look at the gift of the children that you have, and the opportunity that you have to share that gift with the world. As always, we give our gratitude and remember our troops each and every week. And so we give thanks to all of you, and uh, that you thank you for your dedication in uh, service. Tonight we have our first volleyball home game so go saints and i wish all of you a very inspired and empowered week and let me know if you uh if you're putting these parenting tips to you so i want to know about that throw out your boomerang of magnificence this week and as always thanks for listening have a great week everyone mm-hmm.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment. Theme Mazanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then.